0: Welcome. Welcome to Impact Unicorns, the podcast where you meet inspirational entrepreneurs building the next generation
1: of transformative companies.
2: And now, here is your
0: host, Dr. Internal Ghosh. Award winning author, investor, and advisor to global leaders.
2: Hello and welcome to Impact Unicorn's live stream. I'm your host, Indranil Ghosh. And today I'm super excited to welcome Dina Buchanan and Michael Moran from the Preferred Climate Resilience Group to the show. And today we're going to be talking about sustainable workforce housing, which I look at as an ESG twofer, because not only are you building affordable, Family housing for uh, families, uh, which is a real quintessential element of the American dream, but it's also so in- important for family well-being and a, a pathway to, to wealth creation. But also, we'll talk about how to do it in a sustainable way, in climate resilient parts of the country, using sustainable materials and having a, a you know a low energy uh, footprint and being uh, you know easy on the environment in terms of carbon footprint. So. Who better to talk about this than than Dina and Mike? Dina has almost 20 years of experience in commercial and residential real estate. She's focused a lot of that time on single family homes and has acquired or been responsible for overseeing approximately $200 million of assets in real estate. Now, Mike um, is a well-known author. He's also an Emmy-winning documentarian. And uh, on top of that, uh, to boot, he's an ESG and impact investment strategist. So delighted to have both of you on the show. Good to be here. Yeah. Well, Dina, maybe I can start with you. Um, You've had a long um, and illustrious career in real estate. Perhaps you can tell us about, you know, how you got started in the business and what trends have you seen uh, in recent years that have led to this opportunity in sustainable workforce housing?
1: It's a great question. Um, I started probably my husband and I back in about 2002. Uh, we took the journey into residential real estate investing. We both had, you know, advanced degrees, went to school, and had great corporate jobs, but we didn't have time, and we wanted to start a family. So that's really what sparked us to look for our more, and it always led back to real estate. Um, and we did very well with single family homes and. Within a couple of years, we realized that passive income, obviously, as most people do, um, doesn't, you know, we could really exponentialize if we went into multifamily. So we had moved into our first multifamily property, and I think we got addicted to the fact that, wow, we can have this many um, opportunities under one single roof. Um, And that led to an opportunity for our first syndication, and that's when we really got um, the, the big insight about how passive income works and the opportunity to create more um, buying power with our capital and having it, you know, multiply. Um, now, as the years have gone on, we've all seen different trends in the market. Um, and we're seeing, as I'm sure a lot of you have, is that, you know, workforce housing is really in demand and needed right now. Um, affordable, safe um, housing, is definitely something that is lacking. Um, And the focus in the recent years has really been focused more on the luxury segment and the single family homes have moved further and further out of reach for a majority of our US population. So I'm seeing and have seen as well as I know a lot of you have that this is really something that is in demand. And we're seeing trends of people that are really wanting to have that opportunity to have a safe, uh, affordable property to live in. And multifamily answers a lot of those needs. And that's something that's really uh, spoken to us at PCRP as well.
2: Mike, let me bring you in here because you're the the ESG and impact mastermind behind the group. Um, How do you see the different sources of impact from from this strategy, which is, uh, building these multifamily, uh, climate-resilient properties? Well,
0: as Dina said, I mean, some of this is about the inequities that are built into capitalism. Um, the social housing, the the um, workforce housing is, is an, a significant way to impact the problem of income inequality in the country, the access uh, issues that, you know, obviously if you're wealthier, you can access things that you can't when you're not and um, the demand curve for this type of housing is incredible but unfortunately the financial incentives in the marketplace in the last decade have encouraged developers to build luxury and uh, luxury high-rise and some very exclusive type housing that's not scratching that demand itch um, exacerbating the problems that that the middle class and working class are having in the u.s finding good stable homes. And let's face it, um, I know your work with Impact Unicorns and, and your book, Internal, um, creating the kind of ladder that is needed in any society for people to progress and to, to, to prosper um, starts with having a stable place to live. A dwelling is enormously important. So we take it from that standpoint. But then, of course, climate is an issue. Um, we can um, look at uh, climate risk with these investments as an opportunity to address um, some of the things that will make these uh, properties as investments less successful. Uh, it's still in off the radar of many people who do this kind of work. The investment that you make in a property, first and foremost, as they say in real estate, it's it's location, location, location. And if your location is Miami Beach or on the San Andreas Fault, there is an issue there. And it's not just the question of if a hurricane or God forbid, a fire or earthquake destroys the actual property. That's unlikely, it could happen. The real issue is that the insurance industry has, has awakened to this risk. Um, they are piling on rate increases. In in addition, municipalities and utilities are having to upgrade to make their, their um, Infrastructure more climate resilient, and that's leading to special assessments. It's leading to tax rises, and who do those tax rises ideally get uh, get, get targeted to? Um, out of town owners. So somebody who owns a multifamily is somewhat politically vulnerable to being specially assessed for infrastructure changes in the city. So all of these things go into the thinking that we have. We don't want our margins destroyed. We don't want our properties destroyed. We want people to live in safe, sustainable environments. Um, The final thing I'll say is when we uh, acquire a property or are part of a group that acquires a property, we look very hard at what we can do to improve the environmental footprint performance of that property, whether that is improving, you know, windows that can be replaced for efficiencies and energy, whether there's some landscaping that can be done to prevent flooding in the the area. Um, There's all sorts of small things and large things that can be looked at. And we try to work that into our business plan.
2: But one of the things that you mentioned about, uh, um, you know, the lack of uh, uh, affordable multifamily housing is really shown up in the data. I think if you look at the last uh, 30 years and the real cost of housing uh, in the US and actually in a lot of other developed countries with large urban populations, in real terms, it's increased threefold. So when you're looking at people who are, you know, you know, the, the working families uh, of, the, of the of this world, you know, in terms of disposable income, housing has, if they want to buy and own their property, has taken up such a huge amount of that disposable income that it's basically priced them out of the market. Uh, you know, and you as know, I
0: mean, I've got a perfect example of that from my own life. My father purchased the house that I grew up in in 1966 in Clint- uh, Clifton, New Jersey for approximately twice the amount of money he was paid uh, every year. Um, that house, uh, when I, last time I looked, it was when I wrote uh, a, a recent book, um, was going for something like $600,000. The average wage has not increased uh, sevenfold. So it, no, in near. Some markets, New, New Jersey is a good example some markets. The, uh, the acceleration of the cost of a single-family home is has gone way beyond 3x. Three, three, uh, three so, yeah, it is absolutely a huge pain point, and, and bundled with education, it, it, is a, it has absolutely removed some of the pegs of the ladder that used to be uh, the American system.
2: If you're enjoying Impact Unicorns, don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell to receive notifications of new shows bring the most relevant impact venture stories to the podcast if you would like to review the show go to the apple podcast mobile app or itunes to leave a rating and review tell me about how to fix the problem from um you know an investment standpoint because it's you know it, it costs what it costs to build a multifamily thing from scratch right, right. that's not your strategy your strategy is uh, smarter than that. Tell us about how you go and square the circle on building units in a way which the cost and the, the, the sort of revenue make, make a ton of sense from an investment standpoint.
1: So we go into um, markets and we're looking at a class B uh, strategy type multifamily property. And a class B is a probably a 10 to 20 year old property. And taking that and improving, making improvements that are, you know, energy efficient with green materials, aligning with sponsors that do those things when necessary. Um, And that allows um, the opportunity for people that are in that area to rent um, at a reasonable rate. To your um, comment before, I saw a, a graph this morning, somebody sent to me from October about the rental increases and how in certain markets, they're up anywhere from 18 to 24%. Um, And so that is really impacting um, areas and people in those areas. So what we can do is we can go into these markets and create a safe, affordable um, multifamily housing. Um, And that actually is going to be a huge opportunity for for the area, for the people in that area. Uh, because we'll identify obviously markets that have uh, less climate volatility and we'll focus on cities in those areas that meet all of our requirements. And it will actually benefit having um, reducing a carbon footprint, having more multifamily opportunities available for people, having an opportunity where, um, you know, transportation systems can be, they could be a part of a city that's got a good mass transportation system that gets them to and from work that reduces a lot of that carbon footprint as well. But people that are in a community like we're discussing, and they have, uh, their bottom line is lower because they are in a more energy efficient type unit. Their bottom line is gonna be lower, that's gonna help them, but it's also gonna help the building and the investors that are invested in that building because they'll have longer tenant retention, um, the the higher the occupancy, the higher the value of the building, um, and the better the cash flow. So win win.
2: Yeah, sounds sounds great. Are you converting um, Class B commercial buildings, um, multifamily. Or, or or residential buildings to create these multifamily units? These are uh, these are residential residential, and they're
0: they're existing residential. The upgrades um, are are twofold, one to bring them up to snuff in terms of, you know, know, sometimes just the uh, appliances, for instance, you go through a building, change out all the appliances that in a 15 year old building, and you can practically get a 50% um, increase in, in this, in the performance metric on those appliances. So electricity use goes down. there are safety issues, there are, you know, and then there's the comfort issues, the, the, sure. the or et cetera. But the other side of it is, you know, as uh, I, you know, Dina was saying, we go, we go to markets that have this in mind already. Okay. So we're talking about Denver and Colorado Springs and Nashville and Charlotte and Raleigh. Mm-hmm. These are, these are not the Austin, Seattle, Boston, New York markets where mm-hmm. this stuff is out of reach. Um, this is the, the really powerful um, second tier markets in the United States where young people are going for their first jobs, where there's a progressive uh, government that is offering tax incentives for various green um, uh, opportunities, and where you have enormous um, educational, um, you know, uh, kind of cr- critical mass. Yeah. So you get, it's this combination that I know you talk about in your book of having this kind of highly mobile, educated workforce that is engaged in the community and a community that is looking at, at things like this as not some kind of political partisan thing, but as a reality. Yes, insurance companies are coming at us. The bonds are harder to float in a city that's underwater, no pun intended. Um, okay. You've got to, the, you know, your municipal bonds are are your life's blood in some of these municipalities. And if they're constantly... Finding that the Mississippi River is overflowing on them, or that they're being hit by hurricanes, or that there's um, you know a real risk of drought or wildfires, that is a huge hit on their ability to finance their operations, and that goes right to the citizens of that uh, that municipality as in terms of the uh, standard of living and safety, et cetera. So that's kind of what we're looking at. It's a, it, in some ways, it's a very macro. Approach to these markets, but then you get into the real nitty-gritty of a, a specific building—and there's all sorts of ways to make that work in the U.S. system, um, from a tax standpoint, from an investment, um, from an access to capital standpoint, um, that that are really beneficial for the people who get involved in these projects.
2: So one of the interesting things you just mentioned are the locations you're looking at, because these are um, many of them, like you know, Denver, Colorado. This is where there's a large influx of population and empowering prosperity you know the book that uh, uh I, I wrote and you helped me with uh, so much you know one of the key points is this battle for you know knowledge pop, knowledgeable population mm-hmm. and by building out this sort of multi-family um you know housing stock what you're doing is also making a place much more attractive to receive that influx mm-hmm. and away from these places where you know, climate, uh, adverse climate effects are making think people think twice about living there and they're looking for new options. So if there are housing options that are plentiful and affordable and high quality, it's going to affect, um, you know, positively the attractiveness of, of some of these cities. And, you know, it's going to, in some ways, reverse some of this municipal uh, erosion, municipal credit erosion that you're talking about um, that can happen otherwise. we also...
0: These, these markets will stand as a model, um, because in the United States, there's a tradition that, that of the states being the laboratory of democracy. So states are very free in the US to experiment in various tax systems or various regulatory systems. Yeah. And as these these municipalities, the Atlantas and the Charlottes and the Raleigh's of the world compete with each other, not just for residents, but also for, um, for uh, as you say credit, but also uh, corporate headquarters and yeah. things like that. This is an incredibly important thing that they develop this kind of mid-tier, multi-family environment that, that people want to live in, that they're not forced to live in, that this isn't some kind of a consolation prize because they couldn't afford a house, but that these are vital, interesting, uh, well-located places within striking distance of the places that they actually need to go to work and within uh, and close to the amenities that they would want to raise a family in
2: sure and given what we're seeing you know in in this sort of post-covid uh, environment where we're in where you know there is sometimes um a, a movement out of or depopulation of commercial real estate at least in certain places does commercial real estate that isn't well occupied provide also another starting point from which to refurbish remodel and, and create and convert into multifamily housing or you think that you know, just working on the the residential multifamily is uh, is is a big enough uh, you know, pocket of uh, opportunities to work on.
0: Well, we've specialized in the residential, um, but yeah. there's that is a very hot. I'm sure I'm sure Dina can tell you <laughs> that's a very hot segment right now. Is is basically commercial to, to residential conversions. You know, you have you followed that much? Yes,
1: I was going to just jump in and say we have seen a lot of that. Um, I live in Central Florida, and we have seen a lot of that type of conversion uh, for the same reasons as Mike described, and we talked about a few minutes ago. There just um, look there isn't enough of good, safe, affordable housing. So I do see that as a definite uh, path that PCRP can look to for the future. Um, there's definitely going to be. Um, and I think what's powerful about taking one of those types of properties is we're actually refurbishing it. Um, and really that is, that is so much better than having to develop something new uh, because we can take what is already existing and we can make it better and we can make it more energy efficient for a lot less of the cost going in. And it's in very attractive areas. Um, it, it, these markets that um, Mike had mentioned, these are places where you see companies like Amazon, you see bigger com- companies um, opening these big uh, warehouses and plants and and higher uh, opportunities for people to get good, solid jobs once they've graduated from school um, and raise a family in these markets. So I think we're going to see a lot of that um, coming down the road as well as what we're doing with PCRP, with multifamily.
2: So this is a fascinating opportunity. And you know, if there are any questions for Dina and Mike, do pop them into the chat and we can uh, have them address it. But just putting my investors hat on for a moment, basically what you're telling me is that there's an overlap between some of the more climate resilient parts of the US, as well as the ones which are attracting new Educated population, where companies are relocating uh, because you know they're just better places to do business than some of the overpopulated, uh, climate challenged uh, you know areas, often on on the on the coast, for example. Yeah. Uh, so you've got great fundamentals there. You've got receptive government, um, probably you know tax incentives. give you. Uh, so- a great
1: example too. Um, here in Florida, um, Disney. Walt Disney World—they're moving a lot of their studios um, and their production from Los Angeles, Anaheim, down to Lake Nona, Florida, which is Central Florida, Orlando. Um, and they're doing it for the very reasons you just described. As an investor, uh, the property value, what they can, how much land they can actually buy, what they need, um, the tax advantages, and the tax incentives and with that is going to come jobs and with jobs is going to come a requirement for housing
2: absolutely and you take on on top of that the ability to sort of upgrade existing properties maybe even commercial real estate into these you know desirable higher rent uh, uh, properties and you can see quite quickly i think wh- why this makes a ton of financial sense
0: yeah um, one thing you need to Always bear in mind with this is that you know on the big picture, uh, real estate, the the built world, as as we say say in the sustainable world, um, is you know twenty nine percent of all carbon emissions. That's an enormous number. Yes. Um, I think only agriculture really comes anywhere near that, and if you add construction, that's another nine percent. So you're getting up near forty percent of the of the carbon emissions problem from the combination of construction industry and uh built world things that are already built and that includes obviously commercial real estate all sorts of infrastructure to the extent that we're not going to fix this problem by building new lead certified well buildings that's just not going to happen you've got to go back and retrofit what exists because for the next 100 years those things will exist Um, and it also has to be cost effective and that's another thing you know, that the idea that you can go out and knock down an entire city and rebuild it uh, to to the specs of the 21st century green movement, it's Mm -hmm. it's a nice idea, but it's not going to happen. We need to be practical. We need not to spur inflation with bad ideas. We need to go and look at what we've got and make it as good as it can possibly be in a cost-effective way, which also then addresses the other big issue, I think, right now in society, which is generating so much of the anger and. Angst that we see in our politics, which is in the income inequality, yeah. um, the, the idea that people can't access the fruits of their government, the fruits of their societies, and their the prosperity that they see all around them, because they are absolutely un- inundated with with uh, over uh, they're overburdened with with the costs of just basically getting by. So that's absolutely. those are the two big things we really want to tackle with at preferred climate resistant properties.
2: Now, uh, PCRP, tell me a little bit about how you go about sourcing and working on a particular project and how you find opportunities that are as attractive as possible for for investors.
1: So what we do is we align with particular sponsors um, in this industry who have and share the same values and principles that we do at PCRP. We call it aligning profits with principle. And so we're going to work with uh, sponsors that do number one uh, share the vision in the markets that we choose uh, that they are sim- they have they're operating in similar markets uh, ones that we would choose and then also overlay that onto our you know investment strategies. Um, looking at the market for some of the things that we just discussed, um, new job growth, um, occupancy rates, fair market value. Um, we're going to look at cap rates, economic based diversity, vacancy rates, rental rate growth, price of housing, age of housing, and market stability. Um, and we're going to run those numbers. We have a, a our own underwriter that when we get, uh, the PPMs from these sponsors that we run the numbers through ourselves to make sure they identify with what we feel is appropriate for our group, and then we'll go ahead and you know work with sponsors that have a long-standing track record of success with their projects. Uh, they align with our principles of using quality, green-friendly materials and upgrades when necessary. And they realize the potential tax advantages also and and the good that they're doing by creating this type of workforce housing in those markets um like we said before residents are much more attracted to energy efficient um properties it's going to help their bottom line and it's going to help the investments bottom line but we work with sponsors who share those same values um, and then we overlay our climate resilient piece And we find that that greatly can reduce uh, a lot of risk that can be had in other markets that don't do these things.
2: Over the past 20 years, I've worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs to build impact unicorns. In my experience, every company that has a transformative positive effect on the world does so by building strong partnerships with communities, investors, and governments to solve society's biggest challenges. If you'd like to learn more about how innovative entrepreneurs can help to build a more sustainable and inclusive future, read my award-winning book, Powering Prosperity, A Citizen's Guide to Shaping the 21st Century. You mentioned tax advantages a number of times. I wonder if you could give me a couple of examples of um, the kind of tax advantages that investors can, can receive through this, this type of uh, investment.
1: Um, they definitely can receive, uh, especially if an investor is part of a syndication, uh, they they can have a percentage of ownership and share in the cost segregation uh, from a tax perspective. Also, if a sponsor is using um, green friendly materials and if they're incentivized to do that, the overall cost of the project um, will go down, which will put more in the profit margin. Uh, line for the investors as well. Um, And those are the two, I think, biggest uh, attractive uh, attractions to being an investor in a syndication. One of the things that I know my husband and I like about it is that anything that we have invested in, whenever um, we can share in the cost segregation tax advantages, it can greatly reduce uh, the taxable income on an investor, depending on how much they do and, and how much is invested into the project.
2: How much of the, uh, the properties that you, how many of the units um, or what proportion would you say are owner occupied in the end versus investment property in these multifamily developments?
1: Well, multifamily is, is all rental, um, unless it's a condominium. Um, so the multifamily properties that we're focused on are all uh, tenant based, they're all rentals.
0: And really, that's what puts them within reach of the middle class. Yeah. It's just absurd what it costs now to buy a one-bedroom apartment in one of these markets. It It's just uh, beyond the reach of someone
2: on the average
0: salary in the United States, which yeah. is a sad comment.
2: Yeah. And what do you think the, the sort of total market sizes that you're looking at? How many units of this type do you think uh, there could be built out there in, in the locations that you're talking about? Well, where, go ahead go ahead Mike sorry
0: there's an enormous demand so the uh, commercial developers have only really just woken up to the fact that they've overbuilt luxury um, which I've been saying for years I have to uh-huh. say they've overbuilt luxury sure. um, and they've over leveraged it too um, because the first place people go in a downturn when they're when they can't play their pay their rent is the B class, right? They want a decent place to live, but they can't play for the doorman and the swimming pool anymore. So out they go of those luxury leases and those buildings end up, um, you know, non-performing assets in some cases. Um, We, uh, our sense is that the the, uh, actual gap in supply and demand for multifamily B class buildings, in other words, workforce housing, is probably 12 to 15 percent of all of all the stock in the us so you're talking about millions of units that are required millions and in any given city a mid-sized city like denver um, which has experienced a tremendous crunch in housing availability um people are moving you know An hour to an hour and a half outside the city to find an affordable place where they can then commute back into Denver which causes its own environmental and logistical problems with with traffic and and car uh, exhaust so at the end of the day the the kind of provision of this type of housing in the metropolitan within the metropolitan area is I think you're looking at an expansion potential of about 15 to 20% of existing stock, but it only, you know, it's only if commercial real estate developers are not greedy because let's face it, they're trying to make more money by building the A-class buildings, which are much riskier um, and which are beginning to be penalized by the, um, by regulators in within these municipalities who realize they need to get these um, more affordable type housing up and running and, but they're not. It's not the old model where they would actually fun, build the actual housing. That's that's really more of a public housing model, and that model really has, for better or worse, not um, not revived since the '60s and
2: '70s in the U.S. True. Sure. So again, from an investment standpoint, you're partly cushioned by the tax advantages, but also the the, the cyclicality is much less because in a downturn you know, there's always be demand for for these types of units. So we're right. um, protected on that side as well.
0: That was shown in 2008 pretty pretty uh, yeah. convincingly. Uh, a's and a-, a-, a class really took a hit. They went down to nearly, not, you know, 10% vacancies. Um, and, you know, the B class barely moved. They It barely yeah. ticked at all. So, um, and then, you know, the other thing is in that type of a real estate crash, where people are losing their single family homes uh, this is where they go yeah. uh, so uh, ultimately there there's a, a number of inputs that that sustain this as a as an investment class and it would be remiss if we didn't mention that you know these investments also have passive income instru- distributions on a re- regular right. basis which um, are hugely tax advantage so you are la- actually collecting money as you go along it's not just Putting your money into the property and waiting for the sale of the property to accrue Correct. to to take your profit, you get a distribution as these things perform over the years, and that's um, taxed very lightly in the U.S. system.
2: So, how many projects is the group working on at the moment, and um, what are your you know growth plans and, and your, your your roadmap going forward? Well, we are always on the
0: on the lookout. Um, we're currently scoping something in the southeast. Yeah. We have to be, you know, uh, SEC rules. Very mindful. Yeah. Just be careful about not getting specific uh, um, in front of people who we haven't spoken to and um, really understood their real their their investment strategies and and desires. Um, and in fact, that's that brings up a good. Um, uh, we have a constant deal flow. But we need to have a conversation with anybody who we actually share detailed investment um, opportunities with because of, for very good reasons, good regulatory compliance reasons. Um, So, in effect, uh, you know, our website, which is www.pcrpgroup.com, it it involves, uh, has a place where you can, say, invest with us, and we will take you through that process. And then we also have, and I hope you'll help us uh, get out there, a calendar link, a link directly to Dina's calendar, um, where you can put time with us to to have a conversation about what it is your goals are, whether our strategy fits your goals, and um, then more detail on specific projects.
1: Yeah. We want to make sure that everybody that um, is working uh, with us we have their investment goals in mind and put a plan together um, and just get some even some education from us about what that looks like for them and how they can go
2: forward so the place to go is uh, www.pcrp.com group.com. and we'll put that in the show notes in the newsletter and circulate a link to dina's Calendly. Hopefully it won't be completely overloaded. That's probably a good <laughs> problem okay. to have. Um, and I think you know one of the great things about what you guys are doing is that the education and media element to it. So both of you are you know, trained and natural educators and uh, I'm sure we'll be able to explain both the impact and the, and the financial side uh, of the opportunity in, in, in spades.
1: Thank you.
0: Internal, well, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, uh, speaking to you about this. I know we've talked about it uh, privately over the years, um, but it's, it's one of the great, you know, kind of pleasures of my life to be able to do something as my career, you know, reaches uh, peak, I guess, uh, that really does uh, help the world. And it's not just about accruing capital, but it's about doing good while you're doing well. And I think that's something that, you know, it's become a something of a cliche in the sustainability world. But we really take it very seriously. And, um, you know, we all have kids. So we're all worried about that next generation. And they are holding us to much higher uh, standards than than our parents held us, frankly. <laughs>
2: For sure. Yeah, they're not just uh, digital natives, they're impact natives. Um, yeah. right. They're growing up with this. And yeah, they're going to hold us to account, no doubt. But I think you are doing incredible work. Um, encourage everyone to, to go to your website, wwwpcrpgroup.com, uh, check out what Dina and Mike are up to, um, and there'll be a wealth of information uh, about uh, this incredible opportunity in sustainable workforce housing. Thank you, Dina and Mike for joining us. It's been a terrific live stream. Us. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode of Impact Unicorns, don't forget to rate and review this show by scrolling down and clicking rate this podcast. And join me next week as I talk to more inspirational entrepreneurs building the next generation of transformative companies.